0: 17 that, that I'll be bringing out tonight, and uh, I, I think I think it would be very interesting for you. So try to be here at 6 tonight uh, for Psalms 117. Today we want to look at uh, Luke 7. Did anybody read this this week as I asked you to? Did anybody read it? Well, amen. Y'all was together and got together. That's good. Thank y'all. So some of you read it. That's good. Luke 7, let's begin with verse 1. Begin with verse 1, we'll go through verse 10. Now when he had ended all of his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servants. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he had he should do this. For he loved our nation. He loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Actually, there were two synagogues in Capernaum. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth. And to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And they that were sent returned to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. It's an amazing story here about Jesus being amazed. He's found him an amazing disciple. One who was living what he had been teaching now, you know that Matthew covers this too, right? Matthew 8, the same basic instance. A little di- difference in the telling of a story. I won't tell you what it is. But you have to reconcile it because we know the Bible is true. It doesn't lie, but we have two witnesses. One is Matthew, one is Luke. Two witnesses. Matthew was uh, a little more direct. Luke gives us more detail. That's my ex- explanation of the difference in the text. There, There is a little difference in uh, in the way the story is uh, is told by the two different gospel writers. Uh, everything else is in agreement except that one thing there. And it could have been just two different witnesses. One thing is true. The Bible is a true witness of what someone said. And so this is what they're saying. Well, j- Jesus had finished up and he went to Capernaum. I've been to Capernaum. That's where Peter's house, his mother-in-law, that's where he was living at the time in the ministry of Christ. There are two uh, two uh, synagogues there in Capernaum. Pretty, uh, uh, It's a place of ruin. There's nobody living there now. And uh, Jesus goes to Capernaum, and, and of course Capernaum's been destroyed, and Jesus said it would because of all the things that had done been done there. He said, you know, you're going to be gone because you haven't uh, responded to the witness that God has given you. So Jesus uh, goes here and he, he meets a man. He, he meets a group of men here. And, and uh, this man that they're telling him about, that he has a sick servant, Jesus, he marvels at him. Look at verse 9, the first part. And Jesus heard these things. He marveled. He marveled. This guy, this guy has got Jesus... You know, really thinking. It's an amazing man in Jesus' mind. Uh, you know, think about that. Jesus is the marvel one. He's the marvelous one, right? And, and he marvels. He's astonished in, a, in another place at, at what this man has and who he is and his faith. You know, Jesus is God. There's not much that can impress him, right? He's seen it all. He's been there, done that. He's been all along. So Jesus saw the centurion, and something, there's something about him uh, that's unexpectedly wonderful. There's something great about him. All right, so what is it? What is it? What is it that made this man marvel Jesus, called Jesus to be amazed? You know, there's other places the thing, a, a marvel is used in the Bible. I won't go through those, but there's other things that, you know, where people were astonished or marveled by what went on. But notice in verse 14 and 15, it says, And he came and, and touched the bearer, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and delivered him unto his mother. That's chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. That's where another guy uh, has a problem. Another family has a problem, and, and I think that's pretty amazing. He's dead, and Jesus just touches him, and he is restored to health. So Jesus is the amazing one, but Jesus is amazed by this man. And uh, How could I be that guy? I'd like to be like him, wouldn't you? I'd like for Jesus to say, well done, when I get to heaven. I'd like for him to say, well done, I'd like for him to say, you faithful servant. I'd like for Jesus to say that about me. I, I don't know that he will. I'm, I'm afraid there'll be a lot of other issues that might might come up. But but this man is a good example for it. Look at verse 9 of our text. It said, and when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I send you, I have not found so great faith no, not in Israel. What an amazing statement! He said, "I haven't found anybody with this man's faith in all of Israel. I've been dealing out here so long with the children of Israel, been speaking to the Jewish people. I have not found one person, one person, that's got faith like this man. That his life is represented. Uh, his life is represented in such a way that there's no one his equal." What made him so great in faith? What made his faith great? What was it? What did Jesus know about this man that amazed him? See, that's the thing about it. Uh, I could amaze you and be a hypocrite the whole time. I could be just faking it, you know? And, And we all like to put on our best impression in front of the people we want to impress. And then we come home and our wife wonders, why is he so different here at home? But what was it that Jesus knew? See, Jesus is not guessing. He's not being fooled. Jesus said, this man it has an amazing faith. His, his life is well-rounded the way that I want my disciples to be well-rounded. And his disciples were not at the time. You know, just because you have a position as a pastor... Or someone in church don't mean you're the most spiritual person there. Maybe the opposite, right? So what did Jesus know about him that made him an amazing believer? Well, I'm, I'm going to say a few things, and I want you to think with me through them. Let's consider those things, and you look. First of all, I want to say it was amazing his love for other people. You didn't even think I was going to bring that up, did you? Look at verse 2. It said, A certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. Now, this guy is a servant. He is a slave. Okay? And in many cases, a slave has very little personal value to anyone else, right? Just thinking of a piece of property. Treated like a piece of property like an object. That's not this way with this man. He said, it says in verse 2, this certain centurion servant who was dear unto him. He was dear unto This centurion loved this servant. He was dear to him. Uh, do you care about other people? I mean, it'll help your faith if you did. It would make you be a more rounded disciple if you care about other people. Uh, Are people just objects? Uh, Do you love the ones that love you? How about those that have mistreated you? You know, the challenge of faith Jesus just taught us in chapter 6. He said, it's easy to love your friends, but love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to them that do good bad unto you. Hey, do you love those that have used you? Or are you a user of people? See, this man was great. He had a great faith because of his love for other people. You know, it's just, he's it, it, just given us, Jesus has given us an example for us to get on board with, for us to follow. And, and so, do you care for those people out there that you're involved with, or do you use them to benefit yourself? Do you care about sick people? Do, do you respect the people of, of, of less value uh, financially than you are? Do you respect people? You know, I'm glad that our parents taught us to love people and respect people, and if they were an adult, you are a child, you're to show them respect, Right? that's a good old-fashioned value that ought to be currently valued but we're to treat people honorably that's a very important part of your faith see you you got to be careful in one day you can ruin your testimony just in one day this man uh, shows us that it's a part of our faith to have love for other people that's you, you read your way you're getting there I deal with Christian people more than I deal with lost people. But you know, I think you'd be surprised how we can smile and grin and shake hands in church and then out there next week be just rude and cruel to other people. This man sought a solution for his trouble, and he found it because his faith was whole. Look at verse 3. He Look at verse 3. and And when he had heard of Jesus... He sent unto, Jesus, sent unto Jesus the elders of the Jews beseeching Jesus that he would come and heal his servants. He's going to do something about his problem, isn't he? He's going to do something about it. But then there's a second thought I want us to look here in this text here that I want us to get. He, he had a good testimony. Say said, Preacher, how in the world did you discover that? He, he, he got some Jewish people to go to Jesus for him. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you all the difference between Matthew and and uh, Luke. Matthew says that he went, but in reality, Luke said he sent. He sent those Jewish people that he had influenced. See, he's got a good testimony with the people of Capernaum. Uh, that's a part of his faith. It's Now, it's it's true. You're not going to be loved by everybody. You're not going to be appreciated by everybody. But you need to live in such a way that they should. Uh, the people went to bat for it. He, he sent them to Jesus. Look at verse 4. And when they came to Jesus, they besought Jesus instantly, saying that he was worthy of whom he should do this. They're complimenting this centurion, these Jewish people that that, that were sent to Jesus. And, and Jesus you know Jesus is going to go he's going to do it because these people are influencing him are asking him to go now the jews most often hated the romans and the romans most often hated the jews right but this guy he's got respect and it goes both ways pretty good thing if you back up and uh well we won't go there i was going to give you a reference but we need to live in such a way that we give a good testimony to other people. They need to see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. They need to not look at us and say, Oh, you're a great one, but you have a great Savior. Let your light so shine, right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 is, is a good reference uh, for this passage. That, that we need to live in such a way that, that people are turned to God because of our life, not turned away from God. So we we a part of this man's faith is his love for other people. Part of his faith is his good testimony. You say, Preacher, I've messed up my testimony before. I've ruined, I've got a bad name. You need to go about correcting that. I'm not saying you uh, get crazy about it, but you need to go to the people that you've done wrong in front of, if you know who they are, and you need to say, hey, I was wrong, I was wrong, and I want to do right. Now, the third thing I want us to see about this man's faith is his generosity. His generosity. It added to his testimony. It's in verse 4 and 5. And when he came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying, that he was worthy, this man is worthy for whom he should do this. And verse 5, for he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Man, this guy put action to his love, his generosity. He not only loved the nation of Israel. Think how different that is. Him being a Roman, him being assigned there, a centurion over other men, he's, he's had problems with people, I guarantee but he loves the Jewish people and he has even built a synagogue there in Capernaum for the Jewish people. His generosity. Are you a tight one? Does your faith show up at church? Lift your hands up to praise God, but you turn your back on people in need. This man had been a giver and because he had been a giver, now he's a receiver. If you look at verse 38 of chapter 6, it, it, no, notice what it says. Follow me. If you flip, you, I've got stuck pages. Man, I'm having every, every problem I could have today, I'm having. It says verse 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Give. It shall be given unto you. This man has been practicing love. He's been practicing a good testimony. And he's been practicing generosity. And when he goes to the Lord for help, for someone else interceding for them, he receives. Don't you know that God has taught us that not one person ever gives to God that he doesn't give back again a hundredfold? Mark teaches us that. That's a fact. So this man, he's been giving. He's been living his faith out by loving people, loving his servant. He's been living his faith by a, a good testimony before the Jewish people. He's been living his faith by, by being generous and, and being a giving person. Now he's going to receive. If you don't put anything in, folks, you'll get nothing now. If you don't give, you'll not receive. It will come back to you the same way you put out. You you need to be sowing those seeds of giving in your life so that when you're on the end of need, you'll receive. I'm not just talking about money. This guy doesn't need money. You do realize money can't buy the things of true happiness. Money can't buy your health back when you're severely sick. But he'd been giving. Now he's receiving. And he's receiving much more than he's given. And in grace, that's the way it is with God. If you give, you'll receive much, much, much more than you give. Now the centurion, he's living out what Jesus has been challenging. If you go back to chapter 6, this man, this man just kind of fits the illustration of, of chapter 6. He's living out what Jesus had been teaching his disciples. And here's the sad thing. It's a sad thing when unsaved people, or people outside the realm of faith, would be a good example for those inside the faith. That would be sad for that to be true very often, but it is. It is. This man is living the word that Jesus was teaching the disciples. Now, the next thing I want us to think about about his faith is the extraordinary view of Jesus. He did not know a whole lot about Jesus, but man, he's got an extraordinary view of Jesus. He said, he said, look at verse 6. It said, and, and Jesus went with them, and when he was now far off from the house, the centurion sent friends uh, to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. He said, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. I'm not worthy. He's a centurion. He's got a man that's sick. He's a man over other people. He's a a generous man. He's a loving man. He's got a good testimony. But he said, I'm not worthy, Lord, that you would enter into my... He's got an extraordinary view of Jesus. How's your view of Jesus? How do we treat Jesus in the way we live? Verse 7. Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but I say in a but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Again, explanation. Matthew just kind of gets the heart of the story, but Luke gives us the details and said the man felt like he wasn't even worthy to be seen by Jesus. But what did Jesus say about it? Jesus said, I've not seen so great faith. And all of Israel. You know, there's a bunch of Pharisees there, right? Bunch of Sadducees there. Man, they was putting their faith out in front of everybody every day, all the time. They was just building their self up, their reputation up. Uh, they they was concerned. They were concerned about what people thought about them. They wanted to be thought highly of. They wanted to look be looked highly upon, they wanted to be respected, and they even demanded respect. And Jesus said, you haven't impressed me one ounce." You know, God sees our heart. God knows what's going on. And so here's the question I want to say to you, I want to ask us all today uh, about our faith. I mean, uh, do you love people? I'm not talking about do you say you love people. Oh, say it all the time, but do you love people? And then, do do you have a do you have a good testimony in, in, in around other people that know you? I'm not talking about the people that don't know you. I remember I, Tim, I think, was with me. We we was in Jesus, been quite a few years back, and uh, and uh, th- th- I was being talked about. I don't know if you remember that. I was being talked about in there for some reason. I don't know why. And and this lady, so I mean, I'm 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 kind of a smart. Like my wife said. I kind of said, What well, that guy's my pastor. What, what what about him? And uh she told me about him. I she didn't even know it was me. She never met me before. By the way, we made friends because I told her who I was. <laughs> and we're friends now, and she believes and, and, and trusts me. And I wouldn't I wouldn't dare tell you who it wasn't. Tim won't either. I hope he don't even remember it but really what concerns me is the people that know you do they know you're real or do do they wonder about you this man this man is a great example he's an extraordinary he's an extraordinary disciple he has a tremendous respect and admiration for Jesus it's not on his shirt sleeve he just doesn't wear it he lives it He doesn't look it. He does it. He's like James says, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Who are you deceiving? That's where you all supposed to say it. Your own self, right? His high view of the Savior is important. It's vital for us to have a high view of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, that brings us to the fifth one. He has a humble view of himself. Man, this guy's got extraordinary faith. He doesn't think he's something on stick. He feels like he's worthless, unworthy for Jesus even to come into his presence. It says that he was a man set under authority. He wasn't everything to everybody. He knew his place. He knew his boundaries. Do you know your place? Do you know your boundaries? He sent friends. He had built friendships and he sent friends. He'd worked to build and develop friendships and he sent those friends because he felt unworthy. And verse 6 tells us even to come into the presence. Verse 7, not worthy to come into your presence. What's our view of ourselves? This man doesn't humble himself. He is humble. You know, I I, I I pride myself in humbling myself. <laughs> this man's not humbling himself. He is humble. There's a tremendous difference. Jesus taught us in, Man, in Luke chapter 22. The disciples were arguing about who's the greatest, weren't they? Remember? You remember they was arguing about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus said, you bunch of Gentiles. He did. He said, you bunch of heathens. And Gentile means heathen. You bunch of heathen. It's not that way here. He said, I've been in front of you for three years, and I, I do everything. Now, he didn't say all this, but I'm interpreting. I do all these things for you. I wash your feet. I provide food for you. I give instructions. I lead you. I teach you. He said, Who is the greatest among y'all but he that is your servant? See this man? This man looked at his servant and said, I'm going to be your servant. I'm going to get you some help. I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to get Jesus here. This man used his relationships that he developed to help this man. And he gets Jesus, and the man gets healed. This man, I I say, the the reason for his greatness, all these things are important, but I think they all hinge on the fact that he humbled himself. He was a humble man, and he was a man set under authority. Let me tell you something. God will run us all through the sifter from time to time. You remember last time God ran you through? The last time you had that fight, the last time you had that argument, the last time you had that not get along with that other person, the last time you had work troubles at work, the last time, you know, you got humiliated, you know what was going on? You thought, well, people was mistreating you. Let me tell you the fact. God was running you through the sifter because there's so many impurities. And see... You don't need that because you don't have any impurities. They are the problem, not me. I was doing the right thing. He was wrong. Ah, We've been there, done that. God runs us through the sifter, just like Peter was run through the sifter. Remember old Peter? He said, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'm going to be faithful to you, Jesus. Nobody's going to get my attention off you. I'm going to do the right thing. You can count on me. And then Jesus just allowed his faith to fall all apart that night, didn't he? I'm always amazed by the fact that a little teenage girl caused Peter to deny that he even knew Jesus. Pride, pride. It's Peter that the Lord used to write us in the book of Peter about the evils of pride. Pride will deceive us. Pride will fail us. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to who? The man set under authority, the humble. See, here it is. This man knew. He knew, I'm responsible for this man, this woman, this man, this man. this man. I'm responsible for them. It, he, he didn't have the attitude, I can tell them what to do. He said, I'm responsible for these, these men. He had a hundred men under his authority. Over a hundred, probably. At least a hundred. He's a centurion. So... I am his attitude was I can tell these hundred what to do. He said his attitude was I am responsible for these people. And then he had these over here. He said these are the people over me. I am responsible to these people over here. See, pride causes authority to go straight to our head. Pride causes. Attitudes to build up. And God has to run us through the sifter to get those impurities out of our lives. And when we do that, sometimes we make life miserable for everybody around us. Lord, help us. You say, now, I know I was right. I know I was right. No, you don't. You might look right, but the fact, now you get this, the fact that you went through that experience is a sign that God is working in your life to bring you and set you under authority. I mean, I'm telling you something, folks. There's some of us got to get this right. With, with nobody, I'll, I'll do what I'll, nobody's going to tell me that is weak faith. That's not a wholesome faith. And, and 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 folks, listen, don't act like it's not going on. It's a reality. And this is centurion. He teaches us with his humility. Notice what he said in verse eight. He said, For I am, for I also, I mean not leave that important word out. He said, For I also. You know what he's implying here? That Jesus is a man under authority. And he was, wasn't he? He was under the authority of the Father. And he placed himself there, didn't he? What got Lucifer in trouble? He did not put himself under authority. He brought himself out of authority. Lucifer... Lucifer mean I watch too many children's shows. Verse eight. Seven times. Seven times I watch at least. He said, For I also am. I also am. He's referring to the Lord. He's referring to those under Him, those under Him. He said, I just have a place. I'm not everything, but I have a place, and I try to know my place, and I try to live my place. I try to act out in my place. You can see that. He said, for I also am a man set. We could spend time there, but I won't. Under authority. I know some of you people have been in authority at work and I know you've done this. I know you've done this. You, you thought real generous towards someone and you said, well, I'm going to be gone for a day and I'm going to be out and so the, the, the job that I'm responsible for and the people that I'm responsible to, to work over, I, I'm going to take, I'm gonna take old, old Joel here and I'm going to put Joe in charge. Oh, yeah, I know, Joe. I, I've seen a few. I know. But one day, one day, well, he can he can surely, surely he can keep this place at least going while I'm gone only to get a phone call an hour later and everything's out of whack. You done it? Been there, done that? Put the wrong guy in charge, didn't you? He's not a man set. Under authority. He's a man that thought he was somebody. Overused and abused his authority and really had no authority. We find ourselves so small when we get ourselves in a position bigger than we are. He said, I'm a man. He said, I also am a man set under authority Having under me soldiers, one of those soldiers could have killed him too, right? He's acknowledging. He said, "I say to one, go, and he goeth; and to another, come, and he cometh; and to my servant, do this, and he doth it." And then nine, And when Jesus heard this, when he heard this thing, he marvelled. Oh, how great a faith this man had. I say to you, he's a whole man. That's why his faith was genuine. That's why his faith was good. I think if you only use one of these out of the story, I believe you'd miss the whole line. First of all, he loved people around him. Secondly, he had a good testimony. He He had developed a good reputation and a testimony. And third, he was generous. You can't have a good reputation if you're not generous in some fashion, you follow me? He's generous. And then he's got an extraordinary view of Jesus. He thinks Jesus can do anything. And he can, can he? He's got a humble view of himself. He's a man set under authority. Notice he didn't say, I'm a man over authority. You get his attitude? It's to me the attitude just jumps off the pages. See, here's the problem. That's why you're not getting that promotion at work. That guy that's over you, he's not even saved, but he's got enough knowledge. No, you're not ready for that. You're not made for that. You're not you're not fit for that. Because if you were put in authority, the whole place would go crazy. Because you too much self, not enough about others when you get that through the sifter and pour it off the top and let that you go through that sifter enough times to get that thing straightened out, you'll be ready for that promotion. Let me tell you something. God gives those authorities wherever you work understanding and knowledge of what you need. You are under authority. Make sure you're set under it. Verse 9 Jesus heard these things, he marveled. He turned to his disciples, the people that followed him, and he said, I say to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. I hope when the Lord comes, he'll find us faithful, and I hope he'll find our faith growing and developing into the faith he wants it to be. Now, listen a lot of great men and women have not mastered i say great great in man's eyes but not in great in God's eyes a lot of people of high position have not mastered what Jesus is teaching you want to hear well done thou good and faithful servant let's be great in the eyes of Jesus this man was great in the eyes of Jesus loved others Generosity, extraordinary view of Jesus, a good testimony, a humble view of himself, a willingness to operate under in a set place. Didn't go to his head. Let's bow our heads. You know, God gave every one of us a will of our own to rule over our soul and our life, the first thing we need to do is to surrender that will to Jesus and be saved. And then to surrender that life to Jesus to serve Him. I want to ask you today, if you've never been saved, I want to invite you to come. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized or a member of the church, but have you been saved? I want to invite you to come if you haven't. Now let's all stand. As our musicians play and our heads are bowed, would you need to be saved? Would you come? You need to be saved, you come. Anyone? What about a Christian that needs to acknowledge to the Lord or pray about this thing? To have a great faith. To love other people. To be genuine in your testimony. To be generous with your money and things. A man under authority. What about a teenager that would come and say, Hey, I've been rebelling to my parents. I I've been out. I've been doing things my parents don't know about. I need to I need to get under God's authority to my parents. What about a husband or wife? I need to be a person in authority, in the line of authority. anyone else?